Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. How do Latter-day Saints receive spiritual cleansing? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. This week we've been talking about what we call if-then propositions, and in Mormonism, if you hope to receive certain promises, including the promise of eternal life, there are certain things you must do. If you do this then you get eternal life. And it seemed to be a theme, at least in two of the talks that we are addressing this week, one by a 70 by the name of Kevin S. Hamilton, titled, Then Will I Make Weak Things Become Strong, and also a talk by Jean B. Bingham, who is the Relief Society General President, a talk that she gave in the Saturday evening women's session titled, Covenants with God Strengthen, Protect, and Prepare Us for Eternal Glory. In yesterday's show, we were relating how she tells the story of her first trip to an LDS temple and how she was asked by her bishop if she was in fact worthy. Because that is a requirement to go to a Mormon temple. You must be worthy or have a certain amount of worthiness to even go inside, which of course shows us the difference between the LDS understanding of temple worship, and let's say the Old Testament understanding of temple worship, where Jews did not go to the temple because they had a sense of worthiness. They went because they knew they were in fact unworthy offering sacrifices on behalf of their sin. But she goes on to talk about this big day when she finally goes to the temple. When the day came, I participated with a feeling of gratitude and peace. Even though I did not understand the full significance of the covenants I made, I did know that I was bound to God through those covenants and was promised blessings I could scarcely comprehend if I kept them. Here we go. Here's the, I'm going to get these promises if... I keep these covenants. It's very clear how she's spelling it out. And, and I appreciate the fact she's being very honest here. And I think Kevin Hamilton was being honest as well. There are certain things that a Latter-day Saint must do if they hope to receive these promises. And these promises that they're talking about include eternal life or exaltation as it's understood in the context of Mormonism. Uh, she continues, since that first experience, I have been continually assured that keeping the covenants we make with God allows us to draw upon the Savior's power, which strengthens us in our inevitable trials, provides protection from the adversary's influence, and prepares us for eternal glory. Prepares us for eternal glory. If you're not keeping these covenants, you're not prepared to receive that eternal glory. That is the theme that is in both the talk given by Kevin S. Hamilton, the 70, and Gene B. Bingham. In the next paragraph, it says, Keeping our covenants allows the Savior's power to cleanse us as we learn through experience, whether it is a minor misjudgment or a major failing. Our Redeemer is there to catch us when we fall 
if we turn to him. So there's the condition again. If you hope to get this spiritual cleansing, keeping our covenants, she says, allows the Savior's power to cleanse us. As we mentioned earlier in this week, Doctrine and Covenants, section 1, verse 32, says you must repent, keep the commandments, which of course is built into the covenants that they are making. You are making a covenant that you will be obedient, you will keep the commandments. If you repent, keep the commandments, then you are forgiven. Just the opposite of what we as New Testament Christians would say when it comes to our forgiveness. We get our forgiveness at the beginning of our spiritual journey. A Latter-day Saint can only hope to have forgiveness, and that that hope is based on the condition of keeping their covenants, complete obedience to the commandments. On the next page in the late Leahona magazine from May of 2022, page 68, it goes on and says, there is nothing more important to our eternal progress than keeping our covenants with God. When our temple covenants are in force, we can trust in a joyful reunion with loved ones on the other side of the veil. Here again is an if-then statement. When our temple covenants are in force, they're only in force when you're keeping them, correct? Yes. So when your temple covenants are in force, in other words, God is obligated to give you the gift that has been promised to you because you're doing what he said you should do, then you can trust in a joyful reunion with loved ones on the other side of the veil. And as we've mentioned many times on this show, when we talk to Latter-day Saints and you ask them, what is it that you're hoping for after you die in the next life? The answer is very common. It's usually, I want to be with my family. And this is kind of alluded to in the next column, although she adds an element to it that I want to talk about also when we get to it. Bill, she goes on and says, that child or parent or spouse who has left mortality is hoping with all his or her heart that you will be true to the covenants that bind you together. If we disregard or treat lightly our covenants with God, we are putting those eternal ties in danger. Now is the time to repent, repair, and try again. Bill, I'm going to say, I think there's a little bit of manipulation that goes on here. When you tie in the family, your family's depending on you, your ancestors, and also the relatives, your children down the road, your grandchildren, they're all depending on you doing the work that you need to do in order to qualify for the celestial kingdom. Well, with this manipulation, Eric, could you also say there's a huge amount of guilt that comes with that package? I think this is something, too, where... Ms. Bingham brings out a huge difference between what Latter-day Saints believe the gospel to be and what we as evangelicals believe the gospel to be. Because look at this burden that is placed upon them. If we disregard or treat lightly our covenants, we are putting those eternal ties in danger. I can only imagine how many times individuals listening to this conference message probably use that same type of manipulation tactic that you're talking about in order to try to get their children to get in line when perhaps they're at an age where this kind of stuff is not all that important to them. I would not be surprised at all if there were a number of parents in that audience who have used that manipulation tactic to try to get their kids in line in keeping their, quote-unquote, baptism covenants. Neither of us have been Latter-day Saints, but we certainly know a lot of Latter-day Saints, and I'm thinking of a friend in particular 
and he has no communication with his parents. They disowned him for this very reason. They said that because he broke the family line chain, they don't want anything to do with him in this life or the next, because he won't be there in the next life, so they're just going to go on life without him. That has been very hurtful. That has been very destructive in this man's life, and he's not the only one. That's a good point, because as you were saying that, Eric, I was thinking, I would like to think that that was a rarity in Latter-day Saint relations with those relatives who are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. But we have heard far too many times, especially from those who have left the LDS church, perhaps even become Christians, some of whom never became Christians, but they've left the church and they've realized that their family has in fact cut them off because their life is no longer important to them in the grand scheme of things eternally. So I think you're absolutely right. Bingham then goes on and says, remembering who you are, a beloved child of God, why you are on the earth and your goal of living with God and your loved ones can clear your vision and point you in the right direction. This seems to bolster what I've said for years. If you are doing good works in order to get something from God, it means your good work is nullified. And here she brings it right out. Your goal is to be living with God and your loved ones. Well, is that really why an evangelical does their good works? Because we want to live with God and our loved ones? No, we certainly do want to live with our God. We do want to live with our Savior. We certainly would love to have our loved ones with us, but that's not our goal. But here I find something interesting, Eric, because she says, your goal of living with God and your loved ones. I'm trying to think of all the conversations I've had with Latter-day Saints, and when I did ask them, what is it you're looking for in the next life? I don't recall God being in that list. I don't recall Jesus being in that list. It's usually being with my loved ones. That's the primary goal. Now, if you're doing all this in order to get, and certainly this is how it's explained, if I do this, I will get, what? To be with my loved ones. That means you're doing it out of a selfish heart. You're wanting to gain something for yourself. You're certainly not doing the work with an attitude of wanting to give glory to God. Now, I'm going to be quite honest here. I think even as a New Testament Christian, all of our works, because of our fallenness, are tainted somehow by that fallenness. So while we may do our best to try and do an honest, good work to glorify God, I would have to say, Eric, we probably fall short in every single case because our sinfulness gets in the way. We have the opportunity, but it's not going to happen. At least I don't think it will. Some might disagree with me on that, but thank God we don't get these things because of what we do. It's not because of our self-improvement. It's because of what Jesus did on our behalf. And in the last page, 69, she says, Through your keeping of covenants, he will bless you with his priesthood power and enable you to have a profound influence on all with whom you interact. She goes on and says, Dear sisters, Above all else, stay on the covenant path to Jesus Christ. We have been blessed to come to earth when temples dot the globe. Making and keeping temple covenants is available to every worthy member of the church. Young adults, you don't have to wait until marriage or a mission to make those sacred covenants. When she talks about that we are blessed to come to earth when temples dot the globe, 
when I hear that, that means nothing to me because I don't think their temple endowment ceremonies have anything to do with the New Testament. They certainly don't have anything to do with the Old Testament. There's nothing Christian about temple endowment ceremonies. There's nothing Christian about what Latter-day Saints do in their temples. But yet it's been Nelson who has probably announced more temples than any other leader in their church history. Yes, and this conference, they announced 17 more. And so since he took over in 2018, he's announced more than 100 temples. The only person who even came close would be Gordon B. Hinckley. But when she says making and keeping temple covenants is available to every worthy member of the church, yeah, she's right. That is offered to every Latter-day Saint. There's no question about that. She's absolutely correct on that. But notice she emphasizes not just the making of a temple covenant, it's the keeping of a temple covenant. And of course, there's five covenants that a Latter-day Saint makes when they go through the temple, including the, the law of obedience and the law of sacrifice, which I mentioned earlier, are certainly tied together in the performance of the Latter-day Saint. Her final words, I testify that as we choose to make covenants with Heavenly Father and access the power of the Savior to keep them, we will be blessed with more happiness in this life than we can now imagine and a glorious eternal life to come. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Notice, in order to get that glorious eternal life to come, you must keep the covenants that you make in the temple. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.